The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. <laughs> right, Tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. My name is DJ Short, and I'm back here once again with Eric Samolski. Today we also have a special guest, Paul Sporer from Fangraphs and the Sleeper and the Bus podcast, one of the best fantasy baseball podcasts out there. Paul, thanks for coming on the show today. Really good to have you here. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I, I don't think you've ever been on the show before i don't think we've ever been on a podcast together paul which is kind of crazy that is very <laughs> crazy all things considered because we've both been in the industry for over 10 years i'd say at this point yeah it's been a while so that is i, I wonder if we ever ended up on a panel together at some point i just feel yeah. like i feel like we had to have been in something together we've been in each other's orbits for quite some time yeah we're making history. We're making that's right. History. That's right. And that, hey, it's, I'm happy. I'm happy that this is the first. If it is, I don't remember everything, but uh, yeah, I, I think it actually is. But uh, it's it's good to be on. I've talked with Eric before, and when he invited me on, couldn't pass up an opportunity to talk to you guys. Awesome, awesome. I remember one time. I think I met you, Paul. Eno did a uh, meetup in New York City. Yep. I can't remember what bar it was, but. It was like everybody from like the fantasy baseball and like baseball Twitter space, like all in one venue. It was pretty great. It was awesome. It was very I, yeah, I, I do remember that as well. I also don't remember the bar, but I do remember the event, and it was a yeah. lot of fun. It was a lot. Of fun. It's sometimes sure. staggering how tall Paul is in person, because you know he talks about it all the time, <laughs> and then you're like, oh yeah. No, he really oh, is that he tall. Did, he didn't lie about that. Yeah, no. And then I he am, comes in wearing like super bright, like neon colors, just to make him see. You cannot, correct. cannot miss him. You cannot <laughs> miss me. I am like the wavy inflatable man in front of a used car lot. That's me. <laughs> uh, so we're truly in the home stretch here in the uh, fantasy baseball season. Anyway, uh, September right around the corner. So this episode. We'll be focused on fantasy surprises from the 2023 MLB season. Some names who have exceeded preseason expectations. We'll talk about how they got there this season and how we should start to think about them in fantasy leagues for 2024. Before we do that, Roto World Football Draft Week is officially here. All week long, we've got drafts, articles, and more from your favorite Roto World talent and special guests as well. Get all you need to dominate your upcoming fantasy drafts. Go to NBCSports.com slash fantasy. 
see the schedule though, of all that's happening this week, you can use the code CHAMP23 to save 20% at checkout and get a $10 Fanatics gift card as well. Uh, make sure to get your Roto-World Fantasy Football Draft Guide if you're drafting this week. Lots of good stuff we're adding to the draft guide this week. But we're here to talk baseball. Uh, I'm going to let you guys kick it off uh, with your first uh, surprise. But before we do that, I did want to mention quick headline coming out of the weekend. Felix Batista uh, has a UCL injury. Uh, left left the game on Friday uh, with that injury. I think he was just like one strike from finishing that game out. Kind of looked yeah. Innoc- yeah, looked like kind of innocuous at first. Wasn't really sure what was happening there. Does turn out to be a UCL injury. Of course, anytime you hear that, you're like either Tommy John surgery or a lengthy rest and rehab. So you have to expect that Batista is out for the rest of this season. Hopefully not all 2024. I don't know if there's a lot of action mole fantasy advice to give here because Yanir Cano is basically rostered in three quarters of Yahoo leagues, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that shortens that bullpen a little bit. I know they did call up DL Hall, but uh, I guess short-term fantasy and then long-term for the Orioles as they look ahead to a playoff run. Uh, Paul, what does this mean for that bullpen? I think it might cut into some win probability for some of those guys that we've been running out there, You know, namely a Kyle yeah. Bradish, who I really like. You know, Cano should be able to fill in pretty admirably. He doesn't miss bats at anywhere near the clip that Bautista does. In fact, kind of, I think it's a 50% rate, uh, which <laughs> speaks more of Bautista than it does against Cano. He's just under 1K per strike uh, per inning uh, for Cano. But Bautista, crazy, 110 strikeouts in 61 innings. He was excellent this year. So Cano should fill in the ninth nicely, but the problem is, of course, is that bridge. It becomes a little bit shakier. They also sent out Michael Bauman, who was a little bit surprising. I know he's got an ugly walk rate, uh, which you know is a problem at 12%, but I was surprised that he was sent out. D.L. Hall was called up. He could be, he's kind of a game changer, right? Because if he can spike hot for a month and a half here, then they'll barely miss Batista. But that's a big if, and that's a big ask for him. So I do think it cuts in a little bit of the win probability for your Grayson Rodriguez's, your Kyle Bradish's, and then when you're streaming your Kramer's, Gibson's, and Irvin's, which they've all had some streamer viability this year. So I think that's the biggest hit is a little bit of win probability because the bullpen, uh, the bridge to Cano is shakier. Yeah, I think it also just adds a little bit if you're in like a keeper league situation where you're near Cano there's a chance that he may actually be the closer in 2024 if the Bautista injury goes the way of Tommy John, which again, as of right now, we don't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a possibility while there's all these question marks, if you're in a situation where you can get Cano thinking that he might be the closer for 2024, also depending on a league, if you're in a keep seven, keep eight, nine, whatever type of situation where the person who has Cano or, you know, where you can pick him up on the wire if you're in one of those 25% of leagues where he's available, where that's just added value. But again, like you mentioned, DJ, most places he's on a roster, most leagues trade deadlines passed. So there's not a lot to do here other than just understand the, the consequences. Yeah, I actually, I was at uh, Camden Yards last uh, Tuesday night and I did get to see the Felix Batista entrance with all the lights and stuff. It was it was a pretty pretty cool show, and I remember talking to my brother about the Orioles and the prospect of a postseason run for for them. And at the time, we're like, oh, you know, Cano, Batista at the end of games, like we may see a lot of like four inning starts from some of their starting pitchers as they go to their strength and their bullpen. 
definitely going to look a lot different if they don't have yeah. Batista at their disposal. Yep. For sure. Uh, another kind of lower profile closer change here, David Robertson, who, who, of course, the Marlins acquired from the Mets at the trade deadline. He's really struggled since the trade. He's been removed as of Sunday from the closer role. It's kind of wide open in that uh, no official placement's been named, but Tanner Scott has been uh, the best pitcher out of that bullpen for the Marlins. And he's still out there in quite a bit of leagues and you know, if he still is, he's someone who should be scooped up right away. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that, and when, for me, if Craig Mish says it, I'm, yeah. I'm in and yeah. like, he's, he's the Marlins guys, basically <laughs> he's, he's a B writer for them, but he's basically their, their GM as far as I'm concerned. Cause once he says it, it's good <laughs> right. to go. And, uh, he's, he's with Scott and that's where the fantasy community went. That's where I would have been too. I've been blessed that I haven't really had to chase saves in like the main event or anything. So I wasn't in on them, but I'm, I'm good with it. I don't you wish that that was the case for all teams where like, Oh yeah. There are a lot of great beat writers out there and I follow mm. a lot of them and there's a lot of really good actionable info, but when it comes to the Marlins, you know exactly where to go and you know that like 98% of the time it is verifiable fact and actionable fact. And it's just like, it is a, a blessing. Craig is great at what he does. Mish also gets quite a bit of Cardinals uh, scoops too over the years. So uh, stay tuned for that in. kind of stuff. Is Yeah, he, he definitely is. Uh, make sure you give them a follow if you if you haven't already. Uh, but let's let's jump into these surprises. And Paul, since you're our guest here, I will I'll let you kick off. And again, we're talking about players who have exceeded uh, preseason ADP, ADP preseason expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, players who who definitely jumped on the radar this year. I mean, he was on the radar last year, but Adelise Garcia took another step this year. And I'll, I'll use this one as, as, as a hit against myself, too, because I was pretty anti Adelise Garcia, pretty openly about it, too. I'm not paying the premium. Uh, no thanks. Hard pass. Terrible plate skills as a 30-year-old. I still think it was sound reasoning. I, I don't say that just to cope for the wrong pick. But he added four points to his walk rate, too. He changed who he was, Adelise Garcia did, going from 6 to 10%. That's a big difference. In addition to the power that he's always kind of had, it's it's upped, uh, jumped up a bit this year, 32 homers. He hasn't run. That said, I'm not going to try to use that to weasel out of being wrong about Adelise Garcia, because while he does only have eight steals, it has not precluded him from being the 11th player rated uh, on the Rasball player rater this year, which is a huge jump of where he was being drafted because he's had so many runs and ribbies that you haven't even missed the eight, the, the, the steals that you were expecting from Adelise Garcia. And you've probably been able to supplement them elsewhere around the league because there's been so many other stolen bases. So sure. I took a fat L on him. Here's the crazy thing. And you might think I'm really stupid. and I just don't learn. <laughs> I'm going to fade him again next year mm. because he's going to be even more expensive. He's going to be a year older and I don't fully buy that this plate skill change is legit. So maybe I'm just doubling down on being an idiot, but I'm still not going to buy him next year. But I was dead wrong this year. He's been a top 11 player overall. You got your money's worth and then some out of Adelise Garcia. Right. I mean, I think the Rangers offense being as good as it is, too, is helping with those counting stats. So mm -hmm. uh, that's certainly huge. I, I took a look at his... Uh, his baseball or his fan graphs page, you know, baseball savant, all that stuff, certainly more selective in terms of how often he's swinging, but not necessarily with chasing. So I, I think you're right about Garcia. It's probably not someone I'm going to pay for next year. Uh, but 
yeah, I, th- I don't think anyone could have seen the walk rate raising to where it's been this year. Where it's now it's actually kind of tolerable. I think is OBP is what like three twenty five, something like that. Um, yeah, and that's certainly you know serviceable for him. Yeah, and I think I do think like Paul said, he's going to double down on it next year. But I think you need to understand of like what you trust in a in a profile and what you don't. Um, and if there are things that if you've been playing the game for a while or studying the game for a while, and there are things that you think make it hard for a player to succeed and somebody you know checks those boxes of having traits that you don't necessarily trust i think it's okay to sometimes say you know what maybe i'm going to miss on this guy but it's not a profile that i've found success with in the past it's not a profile that i think is like sticky year to year and so you know obviously if a player falls far enough in a draft you'll take them but you're not going to go out and get them and that's kind of how i feel about one of the guys that caught me by surprise which is which was bryson stott because for the longest time, you looked at like O-swing leaders and it was Bryson Stott at the head of the list. And mm-hmm. this guy was swinging out of the zone like an extraordinary amount of the time. He was a, a speed-centric player who didn't take walks. And you were just kind of like, how, uh, how long can this guy keep chasing pitches out of the zone but keep making contact at this level and have a, a batting average that's you know 290 and above? And Granted, he has made improvements to the O-swing as the year has gone on. He has kind of reined it back in, but he is always going to be a super aggressive hitter. Um, and he's continued to prove that he makes an elite level of, of contact. Um, and he's hitting 296 on the year with you know 24 stolen bases, 13 home runs um, in, a, in a good lineup. And yeah, a 6% walk rate from a guy that you're counting on to steal bases, generally speaking, is not something that, you know, you that that lines up but i think he's you know he's proven that the profile works for him he understands what he can make contact with he understands what he can reach in in the zone out of the zone and he's not somebody who thrives on like really high barrel rates so it doesn't matter if he barrels the balls he hits it matters if he gets on base if he makes contact enough to like punch something into left field and then he gets on Mm -hmm. base and then he does his damage with his leg so you know i think i'm maybe trusting this profile a little bit but like paul said with garcia next year stott's gonna likely be somebody that i waver on a lot in in draft as a middle infield option thinking like is is it gonna is that aggressiveness gonna catch up with him it's always hard to buy the upswing on a guy too you know like even when you love him one year the price goes way up that following year you're like well do I jump in? You know, I did like Stott as, as you know, under the radar kind of breakout candidate. That's panned out 13 and 24 with the homers and steals, 296 average. Does it hold though? And then where does his price go? So I do think it really depends on where Stott's price is next year as to whether I'll be in or out. But he has been really nice this year for people that drafted him. And I feel like he's been a little bit under the radar in terms of getting his due for having such a nice mm-hmm. season, Stott has. Yeah, certainly with that category juice for sure. And we know the sprint speed is is elite. So that speed is always going to be there. And I think the batting average will too. The strikeout rate is around 15%. Uh, and you love that right. in the combination with the speed. Uh, one name I'm really fascinated to see next year, mostly because we don't know where he's going to be playing, that's Cody Bellinger. Uh, an amazing turnaround this season from where he was last year. He has the biggest uh, spread between his... Batting average last season and this season among all players. Last year is 210, this year 321. It's kind of been a throwback. If you remember the MVP campaign, he really brought the strikeout rate down. So where last year it was 27.3%, this year it's 15%. Has the lowest swinging strike rate of his career. 
lowest strikeout rate of any season of his career. Just a dramatic turnaround. I think a big part of it is just being healthy, uh, which he hasn't been for a number of years. And I think getting out of that situation in LA, you know, getting kind of new voices in his ear, I think is, is part of it as well. But he looks really back to that MVP level performer uh, that we saw with the Dodgers, 20 home runs, 18 stolen bases, really filling up the categories here. I don't know if he's going to be a Cub next year, but what he's doing this year, it, it's not a fluky thing. It's more like he's gotten back to form. I, I tend to agree with that, Eric. I don't know if you're going to jump in there, but uh, nope. Bellinger, you know, he's been someone that people have been having fun trying to trying to jump back on. But then after another tough year last year, the believer train definitely got thinner. He had some believers yeah. out there, but they, were, they weren't plentiful, and they were rewarded this year. 20 and 18, 321 average. It's nice to see Bellinger back. In fact, Belly and Yelly both jumping back <laughs> this year after their big MVP battle. I love yeah. it. I like both those guys. They're easy to root for, and so it has been nice to see both of them really jump Will back Will they both prominence. be drafted next to each other next year like they always are is the question. Uh, yeah, just at a higher <laughs> level. I, I think I think so. Yeah, I think where uh, Belly goes will play a role, but I I do yeah. think they have a chance to be drafted very close to each other. When one goes, that's your signal to maybe jump on the other. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the health point that you mentioned, DJ, is really important too, where you, I think sometimes we realize, we think, okay, he was injured this year. Now he has an off season. He'll come back healthy the next year. And we don't often realize that, especially something with like that a shoulder for a hitter, right? If you are like, if you're changing your swing, to adjust for a pain or an injury recovery like it has long-term ramifications where you don't just you can't just snap your fingers and fix the swing immediately like that right it's kind of the same thing where like you know i've we talked about like the yandi diaz launch angle thing forever where it's like yeah. oh if he just lifts well mm -hmm. yeah for some people oh he lifts all right Hell oh, yeah, he, he, exactly. he, lifts constantly. <laughs> he lifts he lifts a lot yeah he lifts everything <laughs> but the ball <laughs> but if you it's sometimes it's like it feels so easy to say, oh, if we just make this one minor exactly. adjustment. And for some hitters, yeah, it's like a small tweak that unlocks something. And for others, there's just so many different components of a swing that it sometimes takes a long time to, to adjust the swing back to where it was before. So if you really do believe, and this is a good lesson for you know for subsequent years too, if you really do believe it was only health that was getting in the way of somebody, like people who really believed Bellinger is incredibly talented, those early seasons were not a fluke, it was just injury, and we don't have any reason to believe that there's a new injury, sometimes you just got to keep the faith that with that player and maybe not at the same ADP, obviously, that you were drafting at him two years ago. Sure. But if you believe in the talent, then assume that sometimes it just takes time for that swing to work itself out and you know continue to kind of buy back in on these guys. I think it, it's a good lesson to learn going forward. Well, if, if you remember when Bellinger was struggling, he was changing his mechanics and his yes, swing like every few weeks. Like, How can you find a comfort zone when you're constantly doing that? No, mm -hmm. you, you really can't. And that was an issue there. He really wanted to fix it. He was just trying to throw anything that he could at the wall and it, nothing was working for Bellinger. And maybe all the long, it was the injury piece, which you guys have hit on. And it's like, he's trying different things to work around the shoulder. And then finally, it just feels good. And boom, here he is back at 27. And it, it just felt like an MVP can't evaporate like that. And as long as he ever got back yep. to health, we could see him great again. And thankfully we have with Bellinger. What kind of contract does he sign this offseason? Like a four-year type of thing at um, like a 480. 
maybe maybe 100. I mean, this has been an amazing season. And if his mm-hmm. medicals are beautiful and people are really just not worried about any sort of re-injury directly related to the previous injury, then maybe it is closer to to 425. Yeah, I think it will be something in that four-year range. I don't know if he gets that full 7-8 type deal that normally he might have been getting. For a guy who had a rookie of the year and MVP, you would yeah. normally think he's on that trajectory. Might not be quite that high as a as kind of a knockdown for some of the tough years, but it should be still pretty nice. Like Chris Bryant is an interesting uh kind of analog right. here. He never struggled as much though, and he signed his deal um after a rebound year, right? After 2021, right. he signed that deal with Colorado. So I, I I, think that could be something that we could see there. It would be a lesser version of that though, even at the high end, because Be- Bryant never had the depths of struggle that Bellinger did. Yeah. Though you have the yeah. added speed component of, true. of Bellinger too. There's an, athle- there's an athleticism plus that you He's a true Bellinger center fielder. Where- Right, well, and it, feel, it feels like maybe he ages more gracefully, right? Because yeah. he's a more athletic player. He can move to first when he gets you know too old to be playing in the outfield or or whatever. And maybe there's that that element which kind of bumps his value up a little bit more. So Brandon Nimmo got eight years, one hundred sixty two million from the Mets. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love Brandon Nimmo. <laughs> Me too. I, man, I, but I wow, that's yeah, that's a lot. And and Bellinger just turned twenty eight in July, mm-hmm. so. I mean, he's young. He's young for hitting the free agent market. Absolutely. Sure. And that that's the beauty is like when you come up this early and I think we're going to start seeing more of it in the coming years. Well, sure. actually, it depends because teams are signing guys, too. But sure. if they aren't getting these long deals, we are going to see more pre 33 free agents. And those are obviously the best ones that you can go for. So, yeah, it, it's been a great year for Bellinger. He's making himself a lot of money. If they make the playoffs, he has a big run there. Whether it should or not, that will add to the bottom line, even if it's a short sample of greatness in October. I mean, this is prime, like old George Steinbrenner Yankees, like throw everything you've got at at Bellinger. You know, they could, I know they have Bader in center field, but it's like, obviously he's Bellinger a free agent soon a, too right yeah and bellinger's an upgrade that that, that lineup needs a lefty bat bellinger in yankee mm. stadium would be stupid and they would never be outbid by anybody back in the day now if you live in new york like i do and you talk to yankee fans now they'll tell you that the organization is a mess and they don't want to pay for anybody and they're cheap and whatever but i mean i think going hard after bellinger in the offseason is a prime, you know, old school evil empire Yankees move. Yeah, like that, like that. Could, uh, to- could who- totally see something like that. They're going to be active this offseason to try to fix everything. Everything is is Brian Cashman the one making the decisions? Oof, will- that that I do not know. Eric, you're in New York. What do you think? I'm sure the fans would say heck no, but what do you think? I I think he is. I mean, I I think the fans are are done with him and Boone, but I just feel like um, you know, I don't see the organization. Hal and company are not. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's where I lean to, but I, I'm we'll see. We'll see. Who do you got next, Paul? Uh, I'm going to go another o- older guy here. I mean, Adelise is not that old compared to this guy especially, but Justin Turner, man. This is an old reference for people, but uh, there's these watches called Timex watches, and their big <laughs> thing was takes a licking and keeps on ticking, and they would have like <laughs> sumo wrestlers or like a hammer slam it or some crap. Um, that's Justin Turner, man. 
takes Lincoln and keeps on ticking. Now he works all the way down to the Timex comparison here because he always gets hurt too. And yet he always comes back and he's always great. And yeah, he had the spike 151 game season in 2021, which was excellent. What a boon for people that drafted him. But since 2017, um, he's only eclipsed 135 that one time. He's usually more of a 130, 125 type game guy. Even this year, 118 out of, actually that's pretty close to the max. Yep. Uh, he hasn't missed much time this year. And he's great yet again. I thought Justin Turner would still be good because he always is, but I thought it'd be good batting average where the power would take a hit. Nope. The power's still there. I thought he just beat the crap out of the green monster. No, he goes over it sometimes too. He's got 22 homers, 290 average. The dude just keeps getting, he's 38 years old and we are so ageist in fantasy, which by the way mm -hmm. is, is well-reasoned, right? I, I make that joke a lot about the ageism in fantasy. It is ba based on a lot of pot things that make you do that. Like you should be ageist because guys that are older usually fade, but there are exceptions. And Justin Turner is absolutely one of those exceptions that just doesn't seem to fade. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I would want to draft him next year because then he'll be 39, but he'll be coming yeah, up yeah. another great year. So it shouts to Justin Turner, man. Just a beautiful yeah. season, even threw in four steals for you out of nowhere. 75 yeah. starts out of the DH spot. I mean, that's, I think that's the key to keeping him on the field. Just keep absolutely him, you know, that DH yeah. spot is a, is a godsend for him. Even totally though he's agreed. also played in 10 games at second base too, which is going to pick yeah. up some eligibility <laughs> for people. Yahoo. That would um, be huge. Yeah. But, but I think to Paul's point, it's, it's looking at the age, but it's also looking at the profile of the player, right? Mm -hmm. So like Justin Turner is a player who based on everything he does well, should age better than somebody who you know whose main component is speed or athleticism or whatever yeah. justin turner was always a high batting average guy who will hit for power but he's not a 40 homer guy so if he dropped down to 25 20 25 home runs you're not drastically changing his fantasy value so a guy who's going to be a 25 ish home run hitter with a 280 batting average and not a lot of speed is a guy who can age more gracefully because that profile can continue to age, especially with something like the DH spot. So I, I think there's a reason to believe it all fell off a cliff for, for Nelson Cruz at some point. It will it will happen for everybody. Um, but I think there's a reason to believe that Turner has maybe at least one more season of being a, a reliable fantasy contributor, you know, in your middle rounds. Yeah, right. I, I totally agree with that. Or it could fall off a cliff entirely. You just don't know. Uh, well, that, that is the tough part. Once you get past 35, aging curves have shown, you know, Jeff Zimmerman's done great work on this, that, yeah, it, it can go in, in a blip. The, mm -hmm. the beauty is with Justin Turner, the market never charges you too much. And it, and it won't change it won't next year. year. This yeah. year will not change it at all. He'll be 39. He'll still be cheap. So even if he does totally flop, it will not be a season killer. You'll you'll adjust. You'll go pick up somebody else and say, "Ah, oh, dang! I thought it was going to keep going." But you know, if he's healthy, Justin Turner's probably going to keep breaking. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. 
and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Who you got next, Eric? Um, I'm going to stick with my with my middle infielders, um, and it's Hassan Kim. Oh, um, yeah. Love it. And I think there were there were a lot of reasons why I wasn't fully bought in with on him in the offseason. I obviously knew the talent, um, you know, coming from the KBO. It hadn't fully translated. You know, he had a decent enough season last year. Um, but it looked like maybe a guy who was a star in another league who was going to be a fine MLB player, but not a great MLB player. And then you had the added the signing of Xander Bogarts, the likely return of Tatis. How were they going to, you know, move around all the different pieces? Was he going to be an everyday guy? All of those kind of of question marks. Um, and I think the first part is he forced himself onto the field, right? He proved to be so valuable that they they didn't want to take him off the field. You know, his 12.5% walk rate is more similar to what he did in the KBO. Um, strikeout rate was never super high in, in the MLB, but was, you know, is is under 20% now managing the strike zone hitting 274 this year. Um, again, 17 home runs. He'll probably end over 20, which isn't, you know, eye popping, but he had 30 homer power in the KBO. So you're just seeing that translate a little bit more. And then he's running like he did before coming over. They're all things like that, which maybe you just explain with comfort. As he got more comfortable, yeah. he started to play more freely. He started to b- play more like himself. Maybe as he got into more of an everyday role, he got more comfortable, more confident. Um, but I like I look at this now, and I fully buy into this more than I buy into Bryson Stott. And I understand that, like, yeah. you know, two seventy four batting average, se- seventeen home runs, twenty nine stolen bases for for Hassan Kim is more of a fantasy friendly profile than what you're getting for Stott. But what I mean is, there's an established track record of performance with a player who took a while to adjust to a new league in a new country and is now showing that that level that he had already shown previously. And so I'm more willing to buy in because I think. The, the profile to me seems more seems less volatile. Whereas Stott with his like aggressiveness, I think I could see some ups and downs and some slumps in there. Um, but I think that Kim has a, a super fantasy friendly profile. And if he was my starting shortstop next year, or second baseman next year, whatever, like I, I'm super happy with that. Yeah. I, I love Kim. The, the only reason he's not a huge surprise for me is I've been bought in from, from day one, obviously yeah. this performance 17 and 29 is a surprise. The projection I gave him on the site was 14 and 16. I did tap him as a sleeper to reach 25 SBs, but again, he's even bypassed that. So Kim's been excellent. I believe in it. I'll be in next year, even at the accelerated price, because his price will jump up quite a bit. I yep. think it's worth paying. I believe in Kim quite a bit. And the volume helps too, to yes. get so many at bats at the top of that Padres lineup, which, you know, they've been one of the most disappointing teams in the majors, but they're, their core players have basically delivered from a fantasy perspective. Of course, Jake Cronenworth went down with a fractured wrist mm-hmm. over the weekend, but he's been awful this year. I was anyway. say, are they even going to notice that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They did give him an extension before the season, which you know, probably not. A, I mean, sometimes the Padres make some weird decisions. I got to be honest. <laughs> They've made a lot of weird decisions. <laughs> and I, I like Crony, but yeah, I, I don't know about 
I don't know about that deal. Right. And now they gave all that they gave all that money to Bogertz and now they're talking about moving him to first base so they can bring up Jackson Merrill. And it's like I I love Bogarts as a player. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. Red Sox fan, so I've been a huge fan of, of Xander. I believe he's a talented hitter. I, I don't believe he's especially from a from a fantasy perspective, like I don't believe he's a super enticing first base option. No. No, and just, no. And the no. wrong fit for San Diego with the with where they'd been spending that one made no sense to me, right? Yeah, I, I, I like the aggressiveness that they've been showing, but that one I was just like, "What? Where are you putting all these guys, man? Right? What, what right. are you doing?" And then if you are moving him to first, like you said, Bogey doesn't have first base power, and so yeah. then once he loses shortstop eligibility in fantasy, he becomes kind of like Cronenworth yeah. uh, right. when Cronenworth's a first base eligible guy. Cronenworth's right. been able to maintain other eligibilities, but he himself was angling toward losing some of that this year in fact i think okay he'll, he'll maintain second of course he was so bad but yeah um scary about bogey uh as far as what his prospects look like at first base he would not be terribly fantasy relevant so about kim like the things that he does well uh he makes contact he doesn't chase i think most importantly for kim he is so good defensively yes he, if you look at the defensive run mm-hmm. save leaders I, actually uh, dalton bar shows first Fernando Tatis Jr. is second, which is like, I don't Yo, think we talk enough Tatis. about. Yeah, for the transition that he's made his first season in the outfield, and he's right there among the defensive run save leaders. Pretty incredible. Cabrian Hayes, and then it's Ha-Sung Kim. I mean, that that defense is like you were kind of saying, Bogarts probably isn't going to be a shortstop long-term. Kim's great at you know second base. He could play short. Uh, he's going to be on the field. And, you know, leading off in that Padres lineup, like you said, Paul, I'm paying probably what he's gonna what the what the price is gonna be next yeah. year for him. G- g- more than the stop, like cost. Eric was saying. More yep. more than stop for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, so de- next, de- definitely on that. Go ahead. Next for me, someone I'm not necessarily necessarily paying for next year. That's Lane Thomas, and he's been great this year. I mean, just filling up every category you could want in fantasy leagues, hitting 284, 20 homers, 69 RBIs, 16 steals. Nice. 86 runs scored for a Nationals team who has like kept their heads above water. They've been very respectable, uh, better than the sum of their parts, in, in my opinion. Uh, sprint speed's excellent with Thomas. Of course, another Cardinals outfielder who who got away goes to another team <laughs> and turns out to be super productive. Sorry, Cardinals fans out there, but. The but they still have that- too many outfielders, right? Like, that's the thing. <laughs> right. they, they lost all these guys, and they still they, dealt with an abundance. You could argue they chose to keep the wrong ones, though. True. Yeah. <laughs> True. That, that's, that, yeah. that part is definitely fair. Right. But Thomas, you know, you look at the expected batting average. It's 253. Has a 355 Babbitt this year. Strikeout rate is 26%. But what the reason I'm very skeptical here, so you look at the splits against lefties, 348 with a 990 OPS against righties 255 with a 724 OPS. So let's just assume, I mean, he does have good speed, but that Babbitt comes down a little bit. He doesn't hit the ball that hard. I feel like maybe the price tag's not going to be super high for him next year because he's Nationals outfielder. Like, it's just not going to be that exciting. But Mm -hmm. I don't really see him duplicating this. I wonder what you think, Paul. I'm a year early. I was a year early on Thomas, man. I wouldn't shut up about him last year. I really liked, <laughs> he had a nice finish to 21. He was leading he off. Did. I was like, oh, just volume this. 
They're going to set it and forget it atop the order in Washington. He got off to a slow start. He never really has hit righties all that well. And so they started platooning him on the short side and it just, it just didn't work. Um, Flash forward this year, he's still not really hitting righties, but 726 is capable enough to keep him in the lineup every day, and he's cooking against lefties. I'm with you that, like, even though this was a guy I liked, got burned on him, and now was a year late or a year early, um, I'm probably not going to jump too much next year if the price really soars. It's not that I don't fully believe it, though. It's it's the susceptible uh against righty issue right that can really tank you and then if you're losing playing time and you're on a strong side a short side platoon it just really cuts your value so i do like thomas a bit again loved him coming into 22 and was too early on him this year 20 and 16 is nice but i'm and i don't think he'll go up too much but i'm probably not going to pay it he'll be one of those guys that might end up on a team but i will not be seeking him even though he panned out the way i had hoped he would have in 2022 yeah, I think I think part of his value was the fact that he was a little bit of an underrated. He's an outfielder you get to fill out your outfield, right? Mm-hmm. He's a guy you get to be your outfield four, outfield five yeah. in the draft, and you feel good about the fact that there's just a solid foundational floor floor here to help balance out your team. And I think if he stays kind of a depth outfielder in fantasy purposes, there's still value there because there's nobody in Washington that's you know chasing him True. out, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, their best outfield prospect is is James Woods. Uh, he's a, a ways away. Um, you know, there's like Blake Rutherford and guys like that. Where you, uh, you know, who know? And Washington doesn't strike me as a team that's going to make a major splash in the offseason. So, you know, I, I think you're looking at Lane Thomas likely hitting at the top. You know, he hits second now behind CJ Abrams, but hitting in the top of the Nationals lineup again. And all the things that Paul listed off as being reasons to buy in are reasons you'd want to buy in again, but not at what we're seeing currently from him. Um, but if if the consensus is what you guys are saying, where people are like, well, I'm not going to pay the premium, then I'm absolutely going to pay just for market, you know, previous market cost for, for Lane Thomas, right. maybe slightly a little bit above. Um, but you know, there, there are just guys every year who everybody says, ah, this was a fluke. And then they, they don't get drafted where they should because everybody's out. Um, and I feel like Lane Thomas could sneakily be one of those guys next year on a nationals team that may also be ready to be next year. Oh, I think they could even move incrementally forward and, and increase the potential run ribby, uh, output for somebody like Lane Thomas too. So I could see that. yeah, I just mean they won't. They likely will not be at offense that people are like, oh, I have to get pieces of oh, sure. X like you do with like the Braves and the Phillies and the Blue Jays or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. Before we move on here, just uh, another quick word for our listeners. This Sunday will be the final one without regular season NFL football, but worry not. There's still plenty of baseball on the schedule. Look no further than MLB Sunday leadoff exclusively on Peacock this week. We're looking at two teams in the thick of the National League playoff race as the Phillies travel to American Family Field to face the division-leading Brewers. Brewers are on a roll right now. Catch the action live at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Should be a fun matchup there. Paul, you have one more surprise for someone I I love a lot, actually. Yeah, a guy that I'm you know I'm sure was left for dead a bit in the fantasy realm, and that's Jorge Soler. Uh, he's back and he's cooking, and it's one of these guys that it seems like the body's cooperating. 
he's going to have the juice. And he, this is one of these guys that I think a lot of these players, you know, we talk a lot about NFBC in the community these days as it's become more popular. And there's some of these players that are really successful at just drafting remarkably boring teams because they're going for quality production. And they, I think a player type like Solaire ends up on these teams of some of these industry titans because they see the value in taking this guy so, so late, a guy who has a 48 homer season, 27 homers in 2021. Yeah, he only had 13 last year, but I think it was a little underrated that Solaire was essentially league average. A 96 OPS plus is four points away from average, but it's not that bad. And it was only 72 games. So you start thinking about it and you're like, well, do I want to bet on health? That's really the only thing I'm betting on here. Can Jorge Soler stay healthy? Because if he can, I can get 30 homers. Because he's got big boy power, right? He hit the 48 in KC. You're not worried about Miami's park if you believe in the health. And I think it's a blind spot for a lot of folks to buy low on these player types because you're like, ah, he's got bad, bad plate skills. He's sinking. He's just, he's going to be nothing. And trusting the track record more is what helps some of these people that stick with these guys to buy them cheap. Because Sorry Solaire was not expensive. And 35 no. homers later, he has been a game changer for folks that drafted him in those late rounds. Because, again, you were getting him for nothing. 10 and 12 teamers, reserve waiver pick. 15 teamers, late pick. So... Jorge right. Soler has been a beast and maybe he's just somebody that you always buy low on, right? Price will go up this next year. Maybe you lay off and look for the next Jorge Soler. If he has another down year, then you buy on the off year in 2025, right? Maybe you're always buying on the off of these guys to get the best value for somebody like a Jorge Soler. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I, I think the big question with Soler, so he's owed 9 million next season, but he can mm -hmm. opt out of his contract. Uh, this off season Ooh. coming off a season where he might hit 40 home runs. I, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't out. add, he doesn't add yeah. any defensive value. And True. I feel like the market uh, tends to look down on those kind of players, but still like just nine mil next year. I think he could probably yeah. do better than that. I, it might, I think it might be one of those things. Purposes, Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I just to say, I think for fantasy purposes, you'd want him to opt out. Um, the Marlins yeah. park is not great for right-handed pull power. Um, yep. And, and he, you know, Neither was Kansas City when he played there, and obviously it doesn't matter for Solaire. But if but if you get him in a in a nice hitters park, I mean, think of just imagine the the It'd fantasy a, goodness. Imagine the home run dreams you could get from that. Yeah, you're thinking maybe 50 at that point from somebody like Jorge Soler if he got into more of a launching pad because he has done his best work in two of the worst hitters parks out there in KC and Miami. That is interesting. Yeah, at nine. You know, coming off 35 homers right now, and again, should get to 40 if he keeps his trajectory, you'd think he's going to eat easy opt-out, but he might love Miami. I also see here it says salary may increase by up to $4 million based on plate appearances in 2023. Ooh, okay. So I don't know what that exactly what that threshold is. He's at 525 right now. He's angling probably towards 600. I'm thinking that's probably going to eclipse it. So then you're looking at 13 mil compared to the 15 mil he made this year. He might stick, especially if he believes in where they're going. Solaire might stay in Florida, which would be fine. Eric's right. It'd be better if he was in a great park. But even if he's here, his power plays everywhere. And if the price doesn't go up too crazy, I could be in. But if people start paying premium for him, he went 288 this year in the main event. If Jorge Soler's going in like the top 150, that's probably more of a layoff for me. But yeah. if he's if he's outside that top 150, I think I'm buying, buying the, the double down. What if he signs with the Astros? Oh, I'm uh, I'm so in. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you like saw the one say... that he did in the World Series. He would be doing that once a week, where he hits it out of the park. 
Yeah. yeah. I was also thinking like Justin Turner has a player option in Boston too. And it's like if, if Justin Turner exercises that and the Red Sox just move Jorge Soler into their DH spot oh, with the monster mm. and left. I mean, there, there's a lot of scenarios with for Soler where um, you can see a real power boon, which is crazy to yep. say for somebody that's hitting 40 home runs. But, you know, um, I I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to go with a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Alexis Diaz. And there were a couple of reasons why he why he caught me by surprise. One of which was just, um, you know, he currently has 34 saves. Um, and baseball. I think that, yeah, I think that we thought that he would be solid, uh, but I don't know that anybody would have said he'd be the best closer in baseball or one of the <laughs> best closers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 34 saves, 222 ERA, only two blown saves. Um, He's got a 21.6% strikeout minus walk ratio, you know, is just a two-pitch guy, but again, he's a closer, so it doesn't matter. The slider is filthy, 22.6% swing strike rate on the slider alone, 34.4% CSW. I think the reason why I it caught me by surprise is that we had such a long track record of David Bell not trusting one closer. Um, and saying that he wanted to have a guy and then not. And part of that was, you know players not performing right lucas sims was going to be the guy and it didn't work out for the reds um and so i i never i i got into my head that they wouldn't necessarily just go with one guy um and i think also there's now but i i look to next year and i just like there were some 2024 drafts dj and we're talking about before where alexis diaz was being drafted before edwin diaz um and I'm kind of like I, I don't I don't know what what level we're pushing Alexis Diaz now where yeah. he is I think he's a very good closer. I don't know that I buy him in that elite tier at the top. I think like if you look at there's some regression on on blown saves, you know, I don't I don't think you want to just assume he's going to blow more saves, but like the other guys with 34 saves, Class A has 9 blown saves. Doval has seven blown saves. Felix Bautista has 33 saves. He has six blown saves, right? These are guys who are elite closers who are still blowing three times as many saves as Alexis Diaz. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen eventually. Um, and I, I just think like, you know, the low two ZRA might go up a little bit. I think this is a really strong closer, but I'm just pumping the brakes a little bit on putting him in the tier next year of guys like, you know, I, I still would put Edwin Diaz back in there, especially if he gets an inning or two in September, like they're talking about where we might be able to see that he's kind of like slowly working his way back. Um, yeah. I'm not ready to lump Alexis Diaz in with that tier of like those top guys. I think that's fair. Um, I, I, I totally understand having some caution with Alexis Diaz. I, I do like him. I'm, I'm maybe a bit more in than you, but like as far as going above uh, big bro Edwin, I, I think if I get the green light on Edwin as far as the health, then I, I am still going to take Edwin over Alexis. But, um, you know, I do like Alexis Diaz. And one thing I really like is he doesn't give up homers. And that's probably the biggest fear I would have of somebody in that park in Cincinnati. Sure. So that certainly helps. And that's the quickest way to lose a closer's role, too. You give up those homers. That's the quickest game changer to the negative that you can have. So I think there is some viability here. But if they start pushing him up, I'll tell you what, if he gets pushed up the way Bautista did this year, I'll be out. I believed fully in Bautista. So I was buying all the way in what people were pushing him up to this year. If Diaz gets the same treatment, I'll probably pull back. I'm not quite 
as confident there, but I do like Diaz. So it really depends yeah. on that price there is what I'm getting to. If Bautista doesn't have surgery in the offseason, if it's an injury that they deem does not require surgery, who do you mm -hmm. think you'd be more in on between yeah. him and Alexis Diaz? Oh, that's so close. That's a Diaz great question. For me. Yeah, I think it's UC Diaz for me too. Actually. UCL is just like, uh, yes, I, I mean, it could be one it. of those things that like it could be spring trading and like he thought he was going to be ready and then all of a sudden he needs Tommy John surgery. Like, Sometimes that's just how that goes. So that's yep. far too risky for me. If you yeah. remember Batista, when he first, when spring uh, camp first opened, he was kind of questionable for the start of the season. I think he was on a shoulder strengthening program due to like an off season injury. And there was some question briefly, I'd say for a couple of weeks that he was going to be ready for the season. In fact, I remember dropping Batista, my own personal rankings, like number 10 among mm -hmm. closers in like early March, mm -hmm. which any drafts I had during that time did not go well. <laughs> uh, I can only hope that Batista is ready, you know, ready to go next year. But I do think with like an Edwin Diaz, like I'd, I'd be very surprised if he pitches in September, to be honest with you. But yeah, especially if, with them sucking. Yeah, I don't think there's any real reason for it, except maybe just some peace of mind. I think all that's sure. likely to happen with Edwin Diaz in September is to throw some live BP and like that's enough I think for him to go into the offseason feeling good but if he makes a couple of appearances in the spring and looks like himself like there's maybe only like one or two closures I would take over him I mean yeah. I don't think his I don't think where he's being drafted is really going to change I, I I tend to agree with that on Edwin that's why Edwin over Alexis for me but then Alexis Diaz over Felix Bautista yep almost certainly yeah I, I think I'm I'm think I'm pretty firm there uh, along with it DJ. What if Yannir Cano is the kind of unquestioned closer for the Orioles going into next year? Is he does he have that top ten kind of narrow going up for him? For me. Yeah. It'd be more top fifteen until unless we see more swing and miss. I do yeah. want to see some more some more whiffs there before I would really push Yannir Cano quite that high uh it would be exciting because I, I believe in baltimore opening a window right now where they're going to continue to be good but i yep. wouldn't quite get him into that top 10 range unless we saw a lot more swing and miss during this stretch run i might put him into the top 10 because i look at like ryan presley is firmly in the top 10 and he's around a nine nine fair point strikeout yeah. for nine guy but you put him in the top 10 because he closes for the astros mm -hmm. uh going into next year could you look at the orioles in a similar way as like they are the best if not one of the best teams in the al you've got a closer with elite ratios who's not gonna miss you know a ton of bats but will strike out around a batter and inning a little more than a batter and inning like i could see cano in that like eight nine ten range yeah. of of closers at the end yeah no that makes a lot of sense so uh, my last surprise here is an Oriole. It's Kyle Bradish. Uh, just a breakout season where he's, you know, we've said for the past two years, like the Orioles need a starting pitcher. They need a frontline starting pitcher. But I mean, here he is. And there was the hype for Bradish in the spring, even coming off a year where last year was kind of hit or miss, had a 4.90 ERA as a rookie, uh, added, uh, switched up his pitch mix in the spring. The four seamer last year got pounded. So he's really switched up that pitch mix this year, throwing the sinker and the curveball more often, his slider, his best out pitch for sure. 303 ERA right now. I believe it's the second lowest among qualified starters in the American League through 24 starts. Just about a strikeout per inning with very good control. Also keeping the ball in the ballpark, 12 home runs. Uh, and granted, a more pitcher-friendly ballpark, but last year he gave up 17. 
in 117 and two thirds innings this year. For me, he's checking all the boxes in terms of someone that I don't think is going to be like a top 20 fantasy starting pitcher next year, but that's okay. Like I I Mm -hmm. take him as like my number two, three starting pitcher in a mixed league. Absolutely. I was super bought in on, on Bradish this year. So um, I'm going to be doubling down there. Uh, Love everything I've seen from him. Just been a big fan. I was part of the hype train coming into the year. That was definitely one of the ones that hit. So yeah, I'm right there and I'm not, I'm not leaning off of Bradish at all. Agreed. I I was, he was one of my late round guys everywhere. And then he took that liner off the foot in like his first start or second start. I forget which one it was. And he was like immediately on the IL and you were like, Oh, here, whatever. Like, here we go. And I, a lot of people I knew in in you know NFBC format type of leagues moved on because he was a flyer, yeah. right? You didn't yeah. know what you were going to get from him. You thought he would break out, but then he gets an early season injury, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, we'll go somewhere else. And he's been t- tremendous. Hundred percent. I, yeah, I, I, I've loved him. I stayed bought in. It's one of those things where it's like, if he wasn't really your guy, you might have cut and said, "Eh, I don't care." But yep. if he was your guy, you were inclined mm-hmm. to keep. At least that's how I felt because I, I, I never considered cutting him. I wanted to see this through and actually get some time with Bradish to determine where he was going to be this year, even after that foot injury, which did scare me. So this is this is great. I, I feel like this is a great group of surprises from this year and. You know, it's one thing to just talk about guys and like what they've done and how valuable they've been, but to, to put it in the context of how to think about next year, like that's what and, you know. Obviously, we want to finish strong here this season, but we're already thinking about next year too, and I, I think that's an important part of the process. So, but to get people over the finish line this season, let's talk about a few waiver wire guys to to close the show here because there are still still some interesting names who are widely available who can help people the rest of the way. We have Brian Wu coming back, Javier Assad in the Cubs rotation, uh, Seth Lugo still widely available, Cole Reagans with the uh, Rangers as well. Uh, so kind of looking at uh, Royals, rather. So kind of looking at names like this, Paul, who, who would be at the top of your list among uh, the names I just mentioned? It's Reagans for me. Um, yep really big Reagan's fan. And actually, if I could toot my own horn a little bit, since I took my fat L on Adelise Garcia, I'll, I'll turn around and say one of the Rangers I did like when he was a Ranger was Cole Reagan's actually had him on my breakout starter list as like a deep flyer, keep tabs on him, figure out, you know, if he's going to be in the rotation, it never worked out in Texas. So people probably weren't adding him, but once he got the opportunity and started flashing the quality skills, Reagan's was somebody I was buying instantly the week he came up in main event unfortunately i bought silseth and i had silseth one reagan's two because i'm wins chasing so i was going for the ostensibly yeah. better team silseth's been fine don't get me wrong yeah. but i wish i had reagan's as well um yeah two-time tj guy so last year he's thrown 92 93 probably didn't really give people an idea of who cole reagan's is he's a 96 plus type guy we started to see that in spring this year that's why i really bought in and then we really see him come together here in kc i believe in reagan's both the rest of this year and into next year he's definitely one of my guys that i'm fully in on yeah i side i side with paul there um i really like brian Wu for this week because it's a good two start week and i like brian Wu in general but you know they're going to limit the innings a little bit um, but I think what Reagan's is doing is great. Um, I wrote about him after the first start in Kansas City, and then they demoted him. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was a little tepid on on bids because it looked like a great start, but then he went down to AAA, wasn't really sure when he was going to get called back up. And so uh, I you know I missed out in a in a decent number of leagues, um, which is a disappointment for me, and I think uh, 
just another example that you know you got to trust your gut when you see something. Um, but I also think that Seth Lugo is somebody who deserves to be rostered in a lot more leagues. Um, he had a real terrible start um, on August 7th against the Dodgers, um, but he has been just filthy uh, in about 40-plus innings since then. Um, he's throwing two different versions of the breaking ball now. Um, and so I, I think that Lugo, who was always a pretty good reliever for the Mets, is has proven that he can yeah. – he can make it as a as a starter on a good. Uh, still, the Padres are a good team. I know they disappointed, but there's a, a good chance for wins um, on that team. So I'd be I'd be going after Lugo in some deep leagues as well. Paul, really what do you think Lugo. of Jordan Jordan Wicks, who came up with the Cubs and over the weekend and uh, looked really good? I don't know mm-hmm. how much of an opportunity he's going to get moving forward here. So maybe trickier case, but uh, you think he's like the real deal as far as a prospect of course kyle harrison's up with the giants too kind of like pitch you know innings limit kind of stuff going on yeah okay i will say i prefer wicks to harrison yeah harrison right now i like him as a long-term guy but his command and control just are non-existent pretty much and it's going to create a volatility that I, i just don't want as much at this point of the year yeah that volatility does mean that the upside could be there but i I just don't really see that coming through for Harrison right now. Um, you know, you see what a 40 grade command can look like with somebody like Dylan Cease at, at its low end. Harrison yeah. might be a 30, 35 grade command right now, but he has nasty stuff. So I like him long term. Wicks is more of a um, lower ceiling, but higher floor type guy. He might not give you that potential to really shoot the moon, but can be solid. Had a great debut at Pittsburgh. Does go to Cincinnati this week, so it's a challenge. But there weren't many waiver pickups this week for starters. There weren't. 12s, no. 15s, maybe even 10s. So he Jordan Wicks was on the radar big time. And if you're taking him into Cincy, Godspeed because they can still get you, but I do like him as at least a team streamer. So if I'm not using Wicks, I'm just reserving him right now and I want to see what's going on as opposed to cutting him back into the pool. So I do like Wicks. The upside I don't think is massive, but I think it's enough to roster him. He's on a good team too. So if your wins chasing, you can back, you know, the Cubs uh, have his back. Josh Rojas has been on fire and it, it for the Mariners who now have sole possession of first place in the American League West, mm-hmm. despite trading their closer, Paul Seawald, to the Diamondbacks at the deadline. One player they got back, Josh Rojas, who's been great. Uh, second base, third base eligible, available in 65% of Yahoo leagues. I feel like he needs to be rostered uh, wherever he's available. Jared Kelnick, set to begin a rehab assignment. Uh, he's rostered in about 50%, 56% of Yahoo leagues. Of course, that was a really unfortunate uh, incident where he fractured his foot uh, in frustration uh, in the dugout there uh, with the Mariners. So uh, we'll see him back soon. Michael Brantley is actually, believe it or not, close to coming back to join the Astros. I know. That's, what they, that's what they said two months ago. And then, I know, you know, I true. know. Two more months. But yeah. he's available everywhere. And I could see him come up and just like hit 300 for the month of September. I, I mean, I think Brantley, if he's out there, I wouldn't count on him. But he's someone I would but probably But worth taking up. a shot. Yeah I, yeah, I think so too with Brantley just because, I mean, he's – He's not fully Justin Turner, but it's in that sort of vibe yeah. of like, you know, if he's healthy, he's good. He's just never healthy. And and yeah. even um, even Turner's like a bastion of health by comparison there uh, outside of those back-to-back 140-plus game years that we saw from Brantley somewhat recently. But it was 64 last year. But a 288 
with five homers. So yeah, I, I like going for Brantley um, on a spec, especially if you need batting average. Justin Mason and I talk about this a lot. Do not give up on your rate stats. Again, always shouts to Todd Zola. He was the first one that I saw, at least in the industry, put a big spotlight on that, that people give up on the ratios way too early because they're the only categories where people can come back to you. Nobody's right. losing homers or steals. You always have to gain. The, the ratios can move down towards you too. So that's why you can't give up on those. And a big like 320 average from Brantley from here on out would surprise nobody. And it is certainly on the table. Um, in, in deep leagues too, I would just throw out Davis Schneider's name again. Uh, Matt Chapman left their last game with uh, right middle finger inflammation. Don't know and, if that's going to... Eric, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you, but Go. I wanted to point out... And he's been god-awful. Have you guys looked yeah, at the yeah. breakdown of yeah. Chapman? The yeah. only, like, he is one of these guys that you really need to be aware of the anchoring effects of a big April. He went 1152 yeah. in that month, then 585, 633, bounced back in July with a 908, but then back to 532 here in August. It's two great months and three terrible yeah. ones for Chapman. Throw in the finger injury, and David Snyder is a good call out there in deep leaks, right. Eric. So sorry to interrupt you there, but I just want to no, point out that Chapman has really struggled. And you had to support your, you know, your fellow mustache guy. It's, exactly. You guys stick together. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so I get it. Um, but yeah, that and that, that this could be one of those good times where they're like, you know what? Like, take 10 days. We'll put you on the IL mm -hmm. for Chapman. Let him figure it out. But also, they they on Sunday, they played David Schneider in left field. I think they're starting to realize, like, they need to get his bat in the lineup a little bit. Um, and even if he's not a full-time starter, but he's a four-days-a-week guy in deep leagues, um, yeah. he's, not a, he's not a fluke. Like, he's not a 400 hitter, obviously, like he's sure. done in this early season. Um, but he's not a, he's not a, a flash in the pan, right? He is a 25-year-old, a 24-year-old, sorry, who had good numbers in the minor leagues, who mm -hmm. I think can be a solid major league hitter. Um, so it'll regress too. a little bit from where he's at, but, but he can put up good numbers. Yep, I fully agree. Paul, th thanks again for coming on the show. This has been a, a great conversation. Uh, anything you want to plug before you go? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter or whatever it's being called today, at Spore. <laughs> uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Spore. I do a box score show three, four times a week there in the morning, and I stream video games at night, usually out of the park baseball, which is a baseball simulator. Of course, over at Fangraphs, you can go Fangraphs.com and find it that way or directly to the page, fantasy.fangraphs.com. But thank you guys so much for having me on. It was great talking with both y'all. Awesome. Awesome. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Do yourself a favor, check out the Roto World Football Show. Uh, we are in the thick of fantasy football draft season right now, so get everything you need over there, including from Eric, who is contributing some uh, fantasy football content now. You're your defensive specialist, right, Eric? Yeah, that's sure. I'll do, I, I pick up the stuff that nobody wants, but yeah, three years <laughs> of... Uh, Three years of covering like exclusively defenses is somehow a, a niche that I found myself in. But I, Love I like it. I like doing it's it. All you need. Sometimes you just need that niche in the fantasy community De for sure. Defense and catchers. I just kind of like there promote the things that other people are like, eh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good stuff. Uh, be sure to check that out in the draft guide. Also follow us on Twitter or X, like Paul was saying. If you don't already, I'm at DJ Short. Eric is at Samsky NYC. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.